we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. We know that the people who are dying from this from this uh, disease. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. You've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 13th day of January, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. It's good to see you, Bruce. How are you today? Healthy and alive, yeah. Um, doing well. Still a little tired, but that's because uh, I, I haven't been Re- getting enough sleep at night. Is it because you were standing in food lines at your, your local uh, your local market there trying to, get, uh, trying to get the essentials that are not on the shelves because of bare shelves, Biden? Well, uh, fortunately, that was not the case. Um, it's actually because we have a new member of the family, partly. Oh, I see. Um, so, yeah. Congratulations. And for those that are like saying, oh, I, it's a kid. No, it, it's a dog. Oh, well, it's the same thing, isn't it? it pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Biden's America. Right. That's that's what we're that's what we're living through in the United States. We're, I mean, that's if you live there, I don't. But uh, I can surely see it. And I have people that send me photos and stuff all the time. Doesn't surprise me, does not surprise me, considering where we are financially and economically. And, well, these morons just won't get the hell out of the way and let goods and services flow like they normally would. Grocery stores across the U.S. are bare. They're laying bare, just like the Soviet Union. Why isn't Bernie Sanders out there championing this? Why, why isn't he doing that? I mean, he's the one that said that that was a good thing, right? That's a good thing. I know that I have that clip. You sent it to me. I need to get that on cue here. So whenever we need it, but that's exactly what's happening over there. Where is the, um, where's, where's the radical left on talking about how wonderful this is? That's what they champion, this type of stuff. They are the ones that create shortages. Their policies, their mismanagement is what creates shortages in countries. Yeah, because clearly if there's a bread line, that means there's food, right? So right. Well, you just have to wait for it. It's a good thing. It. Yeah, you just have to yeah, wait yeah. for it. That's ensuring that all people get food. It, the, so, yeah. Right. It's a good yeah, thing. Sure. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, just like Alexander Schultz and Neeson wrote about in the Gulag Archipelago, uh, again, three volume set. Grab those on uh, on Amazon while they are available. It's one man's bone chilling story about his experiences in the Soviet Union. He was also a I mean, he was high ranking military officer and he also spent time in the Gulag. Uh, so if anything, the man knows. And you know something funny thing about about Schultz and Easton, he retired after he went to America. He retired and uh, he settled in Vermont, uh, just a few miles away from Bernie Sanders. But Bernie never bothered to pay him a visit. I wonder why. I, I wonder why. That, just a side thing, I'm sure. I'm sure he just never got around to it. Uh, but anyway, um, Shelton Eason wrote the Gulag, Gulag Archipelago, won a Nobel Prize for that work that he did in there. And in there, he talks about, well, I mean, several things, but most notably, I mean, the uh, the things that got him sent to the Gulag were things like criticizing the people's paradise. What, what are you talking about, people's par- paradise? This is a paradise to you people? This? We can't get pants. We can't get shoes. There's one salami hanging in the in the store for the town. And you're calling this a paradise? The alarming shortages of basic foodstuffs are now becoming more evident in the United States as the supply chain crisis reaches new levels. Yesterday, we talked about, uh, well, actually, no, we talked about the cult stuff yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. Victoria, Australia. Now, you say, wait a minute, you're talking about the United States. What does this have to do with Australia? Well, we're not too far off that beaten path, are we? Australia is just a little bit ahead of everywhere else. The Europeans are a little bit on par or just behind Australia, and the Americans are about six months behind the Europeans and the Australians. There's a timetable here that's going on. And, and when I when I say Australia, I'm lumping in the New Zealanders down there too. I know it's a different country. I'm well aware of that. But they're all following the same pattern down there. So the Australian, not just the federal government, but the the state and regional governments down there, they're all they're all following the same thing. Same thing with uh, Ardern over there in, in New Zealand. They're all following this uh, th- this. It's like what they all did in Event Two Hundred One. They're all taking their roles that they had in that war game. That's what they're doing. They're following it almost to the letter. So this was uh, I, I want to say it's the uh, the health minister of Victoria. 
on what they're going to do now for the booster. Now, again, we're talking about America, but I want you to pay attention very, very closely to what this man is saying. The following workers will soon be required to show evidence that they have received that three vaccine dose, including the third uh, dose, or to have a valid uh, medical exemption before attending work. And those groups are healthcare workers, aged care workers, disability workers, emergency service workers, correction facilities workers, hotel quarantine workers, food distribution workers, including manufacturing, warehousing, transport of both freight and port workers involved in food distribution. Uh, but not at this stage, uh, the supermarket retail workers. But I'll have more to say about um, other uh, groups shortly. And uh, finally, the abattoir, meat, poultry and seafood processing workers. All of these groups are already covered by existing mandates for those first two uh, vaccinations. And uh, this is a sensible addition for the relatively high-risk nature that these sectors operate when it comes to vaccine protection and, of course, their critical contribution to keeping Victoria operating. Now, it doesn't apply to supermarket workers. You know, as we were, as we were discussing this yesterday offline, why are they not targeting supermarkets? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, let's be honest, if they target supermarkets at this point, I mean, we're two years uh, going on three years into this now, right? The mandates even to this point don't make any sense. All right. So what are they doing? What, what are they doing? If they target the supermarkets, this little nightmare that they've cooked up here, that's over. That party that they're having right now, that's all over. When they start cutting off people's access to food, that's the end of this party, because we will make sure that these people are finished. And I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. That's the end of it. You people have had a run of this show damn long enough. But we're not to that point yet because people are still able to get food. Or are they? The shelves are going empty. They're not targeting supermarkets. Apart from that, whatever you might think about a, a vaccine pass or anything, there's never been any evidence to show that any of these places that they've required vaccine passports at have been places of mass transmission because there isn't any. Dan Andrews down in Victoria tried to do this. He said, oh, the virus doesn't much care uh, what you're going shopping for. Well, it just doesn't. Then that's what he said, that that um, uh, that little thing that gives you the green tick. Yeah, that'll be about the maintenance of your vaccination status. So whenever you get pinged now from the app, then you're going to have to book your next appointment or you're going to lose that green tick. They're telling you what they're going to do, but they're not, again, as the man said, they're not targeting supermarkets. They don't have to. They don't have to target them. They are, however, as per what the man said, they are targeting every other thing that supplies those food markets. So they can say, well, we didn't stop you from going into the supermarket. No, no, you didn't do that, but you just dried up everything that gets to the market in the first place. What makes the difference? If they dry up the supply line, well, they can still continue to play their sick little game, can't they? Because the average person is not going to know anything. The only thing that they're going to pay attention to is, well, there's something there on the shelf that all I have to do is go get it. The people that we talked about yesterday, the ones that are stuck in that perpetual cycle of, of the COVID cult, you know, the ones that are down in it, they've gotten jabbed and they're like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm sick. They're the same ones that think that the store shelves produce food. They're also the same ones that think that electricity comes from a socket on your wall or water comes from your tap. They don't understand the process that it takes to put bread to fork. They, they don't understand that. They don't understand the complex society that we have built with the just-in-time delivery system. They don't have to target the supermarkets because it's not necessary for them to do so. It is necessary for them to target the supply lines. They are cutting the supply lines across the world. I, I want to point something out real quick. Please. Um, if you're one of those individuals that uh, happens to be eating bread with a fork. You're just weird. Okay, maybe that was a bad example, but you understand what I'm trying to say. I, I knew what you meant. I, I'm sorry. It. it I, I, had, I had to make the joke. We're no, not scripted um, here, so I mean, it's just whatever yeah, comes yeah. off the top of my head. I, I'm. I'm in. I'm in one of those moods. I'm. I'm in a very sarcastic mood today. The. The, the thing is, 
this isn't like tyrants of the old, right? Tyrants of old, they they took over food. They took over everything. These are the these are the same tyrants. They're just doing it a little different, as you said. It's still tyranny. They're still going in and controlling things. You know, it it also seems um kind of uh uh self-serving, I guess you could say. Uh you know, you're you're going to own nothing and be happy about it. You're going to no longer eat red meat. That's going to be a you know, a luxury item. That's going to be rare delicacy. Yeah, rare delicacy. Yeah, we're coming into that, guys. Uh, I mean, it, it's close. It's it, it's right there. You you're barred from going to work because you're not vaccinated. Well, you're not going to be able to afford living in a house anymore. You're going to have to have uh, some form of housing giving given to you, and it's going to be one of these gracious companies or the government that helps you. Only if you're uh, vaxxed. Only if you're vaccinated. Only if you continue getting vaccinated. Only if you meet the proper or whatever rules they, you know, say. Uh, so for your health credit. For your health and safety. For your health and safety, yes. But you know what? Uh, it's, for the greater good. That, that's, that's an interesting point you bring up there. Let, let's expound upon that for just a second. Social credit, right? Social credit. China is using social credit, right? Uh, in, in, in its fullest sense, Yes. Okay. It, it like full blown. You have a number, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yes. Okay. And and they're trying to bring that here. Obviously, they need the digital ID first for that to to occur. That's that's a key part in that social credit system. You have to have the medium for people to be able to participate in that system. So it's it's all we about have the, the phone version. Right. We're, we're in the beta version, but they're trying to take it operational yeah. and they're finding it difficult right. because the vaccines were meant to get you to take the digital ID to get you into that system. And then once you were in it, there was no way for for you to come out of it. That was the plan anyway, but it didn't quite I, go I, that I way. I kind of agree. I, I okay. kind of agree because the way it's I. So I agree that it was part of the plan in the sense of I think I think the vaccine, the lockdowns, all of this was more about compliance, more so than just to get you to comply, getting you uh, acquainted with the idea of that digital pass or that digital ID system. Um, and I think they're going to, uh, I, I think you're right, they're going to use this to bring in the digital system. I, I, I just, I think it was more of, um, I'm not sure it was, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was fully intended or not, because the, again, they trigger time bombs. They they set up time bombs on a random number on a random timer. They don't know when it's going to go off, but they have everything lined up so that when it does go off, they're ready to go. They 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 can they can usurp that moment. And that's exactly what they did with this with COVID. They set all the time bombs in place for for this to happen. For for an an oops, uh, we we accidentally released a virus that we engineered, uh, and then. Yeah, use it to their advantage. I mean, all the markers are there that this this is what they did. I mean, we have the emails, we have the 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 receipts, we have the paper trail, but I don't know. How do you get people to see it? Well, I'm not sure that you do. Like I said, the same people that aren't going to understand what this, what's going on with the supply chain are the same ones that don't understand what's happening with COVID. So they've got the same people that are going to go along with that. However, this is my argument to the, the whole social credit thing and everything that they're trying to do. Social credit doesn't work if there's a starving population. People aren't going to much care about uh uh, about compliance when it comes to feeding their families, or or would you disagree? You think people will will do whatever needs to be done? If now this all this all hinges upon them getting as in them as in when I say them, I'm talking about the the elites and you know the Klaus Schwab types and you know the United Nations and all the rest of it. It all hinges upon them vertically integrating the food supply to where they have an absolute stranglehold on it. If they don't have that, then that's not going to work. So it depends on the population we're talking about. If, if you have a very tribalistic population that is ready and rearing to go in and, and butt heads and they're very confrontational, we're getting there. Um, then it, getting it there. won't work. Uh, but if you have a mostly complicit population like America that is um, repeatedly, uh, excuse the, the um, analogy, but taking it in the rear over and over again, over and over and over, and then begging for more. Because the population is doing that, I, I think it'll work in America. But in some place like Germany or some place like the UK or, or even some of the other EU countries that we're seeing, like France, for example, it's not going to work. No. Here in the no. US, I, I yeah. You know, I, uh, 
I, I posted a couple of photos and a couple of videos today uh, that uh, of what's going on here in Germany again. The German government has now come out and said that uh, they're looking at, seriously, they're talking about doing this. I don't think they're actually going to do it. I don't see how they can. Uh, but they're talking about shutting off the Telegram app in the, the, uh, the entire nation over here. Because where do you think people are organizing to form these protests? These protests are happening in these cities over here every day. I'm, I'm not joking. That's not... That's not that's not uh, that's not sarcasm. That's actually happening. The Bulgarians. You know what's going on in Bulgaria now? I, I know you say, well, what do I care about what goes on in Bulgaria? They tried to storm into the parliament today to shut these pieces of garbage down. That's enough of this. That's enough of this. Look, you sick bastards have wrecked our entire system. You're openly, at this point, you're openly committing mass murder, as far as I'm concerned, nefariously. You've got your guns, politically, pointed at your own populations. You're now breaking their economic supply lines. And you have the audacity to come out and say, oh, it's for your health. (laughs) That's enough of this. That is enough of this. And you know what? You might think, okay, that's just one guy with a microphone. Fine, fine. Think that. I don't care. I really don't care. I got other things to do. I don't have to sit here and do this. But think on this. All of you politicians and health people, whatever, think on this. For every one person like myself and like Bruce and everybody else we have on here, for every person like ourselves, there are a hundred more behind us. I hope so. Um, I mean, I, 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 I think you're right, but I, I hope so. So I, I've seen some polling and some of the poll numbers, some of the polls that they, you know, the questions they were asking was basically on authoritarianism. Generally speaking, Americans are generally against authoritarianism, but that only came to when it when it involved their kids. It was pretty much most of Americans in this poll uh, were more or less okay with the COVID lockdowns, the co- the mass mandates, the the vaccine mandates, all of that. Yeah, they're they're mostly okay with it. What they take the poll on a boardwalk in Los Angeles and Long Beach or or what? Uh, this was a conservative group that did it, so oh. it would have they would have skewed it that direction more than likely yeah 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 Yeah. okay yeah and it was it looked mostly so my analogy there i i I don't think it's inaccurate for what the u.s is doing that said the united states exists because of a small percentage of the population so uh it yeah it's possible that that's all it's going to take in this scenario the the thing is is, and i think I think we on that point, I think we have more than three percent in a lot of these Western nations at this point. That That's just my own personal assessment based on what I'm seeing. The, yeah, the, the thousands on the street um, would would insinuate. The, the thing is, is people aren't usually um, here in the U.S. Protesters are usually not conservatives because we're busy. We have other things to do. We have a job. We have a family, you know, those kind of things. Hence what uh, I said. So we, we tend not to. Hence what yeah. I said. We got other things to do. Yeah. We really have other yeah. things. So, to do. yeah, exactly. So seeing thousands on the street protesting this stuff, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's not everybody that feels that way, if you will. There's a lot no. more behind that as well. And you know what? I, I, wanted, like, I wanted those kinds of numbers that we're seeing now. I wanted those numbers in the streets 20 years ago. We, we were done with this 20 years ago. Better yeah. late than never, yeah. I guess. Be- better late than never. I, I agree. That we, we should have had these kind these level of protests uh, when the Patriot Act, when yes. they were talking about that. Exactly. That is exactly my point. When they were ramming through all this illegal legislation that targets American citizens. How's that working out for us now? Where you've got, uh, what is it? The, uh, the Biden administration authorizes federal agencies to keep employee, to keep employee vaccination databases. How's that working out for us now? They're tracking uh, whether or not you have a religious exemption. Uh, they just started that up yesterday, day before yesterday, to where they're tracking everybody that is unvaccinated, that requests a religious exemption, you are now tracked. The DOJ created a domestic terrorist uh, branch or department. Uh-huh. But why? Based on their definition of what domestic terrorist is, uh, I'm technically one. They're hiring uh, because I, I disagree with the idea of the, that that's going on right now. Yeah, yeah. They're hiring Ed, that I'm I'm right along with you. Um, they're hi- I'm an American citizen. I guess I fall within that category, don't I? Um, they're hiring people to uh, to come in and, uh, and enforce this stuff. They're going to pay them four thousand dollars a month. The applications are there. 
The applications are there. Now, I don't know about the applicants, but the applications are there. Also, that's something about the uh, the U.S. Armed Forces. They're offering $50,000 signing bonuses. Of course, I, I know how it is when it comes to signing bonuses with the military. Most of the guys I talk to that have uh, gone into uh, to the service, they say, you know what? I've never seen that signing bonus. I was supposed to get $15,000. Still haven't seen that. Most of that time, it was just a you know some BS lie that uh, was given to them by a recruiter. But um, yeah. yeah, they uh, they didn't get any of that money. I feel I feel ripped off. Then the the recruiter that tried to recruit me said ten thousand. So ten thousand. Yeah, I feel a little uh-huh. ripped off. Yeah. Anyway, well, you wouldn't have gotten it anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> True. Yeah. Don't worry. We're going to pay for all your college. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Until you get the bill for that. They'll pay for your books, maybe. But the rest of it goes to you. The Department of Homeland Security, they're hiring people for $4,000 a month. The U.S. Army's uh, hiring people for $50,000 signing bonuses. Why? Why Why are you hiring people? For, why are you trying to find new recruits for $50,000? It's not like we have that money anyway. Your dumbasses ran everybody out. You know what I'm legitimately concerned about? Uh, they're running these these. OK, they just lied to us for how many years now? Um, so uh, what year is let, it? Let's uh, yeah, <laughs> what, exactly. What year is it? Keep that in mind. Okay. W- with this, this point I'm making. All right. Let's say that hiring, when you hire someone and you already have someone picked out, you already know who you're going to fill that position in you know, with, right? You still have to say you're hiring, do interviews legally. There's a legal process. You, you, you still have to do that. Okay. Now let's say the military is, um, doing the same kind of thing saying, Oh, we're, we're looking for more people. You know, we're, we're giving $50,000 signing bonuses because we're that desperate all the while they're not accepting any new applicants. Instead, they have applicants already picked out who then might these applicants be? What would happen if, I don't know, they enacted some kind of um, social credit system that required you to have a check mark to go and buy food, right? You would see unrest, right? So what then do you need to counter that unrest? You need a military that is willing to use lethal force on its citizenry. How do you get a military that can do that? Foreigners, foreign legion. Why not? You can't get them. You can't get the military on the home. Yeah. You can't get them on the home front. So why not get someone from another country to help you out? Well, that would be a, uh, that'd be some kind of a wet dream out of the American radical left. That would be. Oh we'll we'll just we'll just bring everybody in and you know I mean that's kind of what they're doing anyway we're going to bring everybody in we're going to uh, offer them fifty thousand but wait a minute don't you have to take a jab isn't that part of the application process now I mean uh, I don't know why it would be if you're taking in foreigners and only giving them ivermectin ivermectin yeah that's right that's right yeah yeah so I I don't see why they would they would force it uh-huh. the thing is is if, if um if you're taking in a foreign legion though at that point. You're not really taking in, you're, you're not going to get the red-blooded American to join at that point. And the, the, the ones that are typically resisting the hardest when it comes to the vaccines is red-blooded Americans. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. And you know how that's going to go. Now, it might not be the first home that they visit. It might not be the second. It might not be the 15th. But you're going to come up to a house that's got one of those red-blooded Americans in it. And you know what? A lot of those people aren't going to make it home that night. Domestic terrorists. That's exactly what they want. That's exactly where they need to take it. It's that right there. They only have violence left. That's all they've got. That's all they have. The fear thing isn't working anymore. Oh, they've got all the fools and the riffs and the rubes out there. They've got them all scared. But the red-blooded Americans, they don't have scared. Yeah, they've nudged. Nudged, pushed, shoot, of course. Yeah. Nudging and pushing is over. Nudging and pushing is over. And you heard de Blasio months ago saying, you know what? Uh, we've tried the carrot. We, we've tried the carrot. Now we, we can't we, we don't we can't do the carrot anymore. The days of being nice are over. It's time for mandates. We know the mandates work. Well, of course, they work when you force people into it and you hold them at the uh, um, how, how did Mal, how did the chairman Mal put it? Uh, he said political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. Well, nudge, push, shoot. They're done nudging. They're done pushing. There's only one step left for a crazy, desperate, criminally insane political and financial class. But why are they criminally insane? Why are they so desperate? Why are they spinning out of control? Well, let's talk about this aspect. And then I want to talk about Kazakhstan a little bit because some more things have, how do we say, uh, come to... um, Come to our understanding. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Don't let me forget. Kazakhstan next. Yesterday, USA Today, they posted an interesting perspective 
on Twitter, shall we say. Bruce, you saw the perspective, didn't you? I didn't believe it myself when I saw it. Uh, somebody, you know how they usually just put like the screenshot up or whatever. And I thought, okay, all right, whatever. You can Photoshop that stuff easily enough, whatever. Okay, fine. But they put the actual yeah. link to the Twitter feed themselves. And I thought, all right. So it's it goes right to their Twitter feed. So I click on it and by God, they actually said it. It was from their actual Twitter. So I screenshot it from my own device and I put it up with the link within an hour. I went back to check it again. The tweet had been deleted and they changed the headline of it in the uh, in the papers. The Associated Press also ran with it. USA Today Life. This is up on our Telegram page for anybody that wants to see it. Just scroll up a little bit. When This, this is their tweet from yesterday. When most of the public thinks of pedophilia, they assume it's synonymous with child sex abuse. A pedophile is an adult who is sexually attracted to children, but not all pedophiles abuse kids. And some people who sexually abuse kids are not pedophiles. There are so many things wrong with that statement. First of all, it's all that's all BS. But you, you're you're openly trying to normalize this. They're openly trying to run with it. Now, I got to thinking about why that might be. They're really pushing this hard. The Associated Press came out with a headline yesterday as well. But they were talking about how um, did we get it wrong on the pedophile thing? That was the question about it. When, do, do we get it wrong on that? USA Today then deleted their tweet and they came out with something else. Their tweet later was, we think we know what a pedophile is. There's a lot we're misunderstanding. So you notice they they changed the headline. They deleted it and said, well, you know what? And eh, we're just going to because other other places are now running with it. So we're just going to we're going to change the headline of what we had. Leading American newspaper. I, yeah, go ahead. I, I will. Let me jump in and say that um, I do think we got it wrong with pedophiles. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, and I'm not disagreeing, okay? I'm not disagreeing. USA Today attempted to reframe the controversial topic of... Controversial. Controversial topic of pedophilia as something that's misunderstood. A majority of the piece brings up how child molesters complicate the public image of pedophiles. Public image? They complicate the public image? I think there's only one image that the public on average has of pedophiles. And it's not skewed by any stretch of the imagination. One of the quotes in the piece is from psychologist, author, and internationally recognized expert, Anna Slater, who says that there are people who molest kids because they're scared of adult women. They molest kids to get revenge, but they don't actually have an age preference for prepubescent children. You know what? There's a reason that they're doing this. There's a reason they're doing this. And, and quite frankly, I, I don't even want to have this conversation, but there's a reason that they're doing this. They're trying to bring it out. They're trying to get ahead of the narrative. That's what they're trying to do. They're about to get outed. We're getting dangerously close to what the network is that compromises these people. Epstein fell. Maxwell, that was a complete concoction of what you would consider to be an actual trial. That wasn't a trial. That was a cover-up operation. Was The prosecution was run by James Comey's daughter? Are you serious? We've got to hurry up the deliberations from the jury because of Omicron? I don't think so. Two of the jurors... Uh, three now. Had... Is it three now? Three that, now uh, as of this morning. previous... Yep. Uh-huh. They had previous... Uh, they're victims of sexual assault. Yeah. And they they missed that. And and then on top of that, the, the, the jurors come out to the public, to the media. Not only do they out themselves publicly, but then they also ad admit to the media that, yeah, I had I had this. So oh, no, this 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 stinks. If this were if this were a Kyle Rittenhouse scenario and three of the jurors came out and said, um, look, I, I was the victim of um being assaulted, uh, and I, I think um, Kyle Rittenhouse did uh, did the right thing. Like he should have killed all of them. We would have been like, whoa, 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 something you, you can't like. No, you you can't have the predefined. You have to look at it objectively based on the facts. Couple of things, and there, there's a reason they're trying to normalize this, and they're trying to do it quickly. Bruce and I were having this conversation last night offline. They're trying to do it quickly because they're about to get exposed, and this this is what they like. Let's let's just take a step back here for a second, so people understand the context of this. Those that don't understand this, let me explain because I know we have new listeners. Back in the fifties, back in the fifties and sixties, when the Iron Curtain went up, we had the Cold War with the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union would send sex operatives to the West to compromise high level in individuals. That's what they would do. Why was that effective? Because we had the family unit in society. 
it was morally acceptable by society to have a wife, children, be proactive members of the community, be involved in your local church and, and local businesses and represent the community well. You were an example. If you were an adult and you were a family man, you were an example to the rest of the community as the kids would look up to you. And if you were caught cheating on your wife from back during that time, you were publicly ostracized. You were ruined. You were wrecked. The community would no longer accept you. They would shun you. You would lose your home. You would lose your family. You would lose your business. You wouldn't be allowed back in the church. All of it. So your life, basically, that you spent all of that time building up to the time you were 45, 50, 60, whatever, was over. That was it. You were ruined. But as time went on and they broke up the family, as, as the Marxist agenda got into society and they broke up the families and, and they worked with the central banks to break up the, the family unit and they promoted monogamous relationships and, and the, uh, the hippie movement and the, the sexual revolutions and all the rest of it, the feminist movement and everything that goes with that, that didn't work anymore. You couldn't compromise people that way any longer because people didn't care. You have uh, five, six kids with four or five different women. Well, then what do you care about cheating on so-and-so with so-and-so? Who cares, right? Didn't matter. They needed something else. They needed something that would compromise you at a deeper level. So they went with pedophilia. That's what it's been since the 90s. First, it would be something small. It would be, well, yeah, we got these uh, we got these young girls we're bringing in, you know, senator. We got these young girls or, or congressmen, whoever, right? I'm just using that as an example. I'm not naming anybody specific because I don't know. I'm just picking a high-level individual. That's all I'm doing in politics. Oh, yeah, senator, we've got so-and-so. And yeah, they're they're 19, they're, they're 20, whatever, you know, young girls. And, you know, to a 50, 60-year-old senator, hey, that's, you know, that's a pretty good evening for them, right? So that went on. And then as time progressed, they got younger and younger and younger and younger. And then you had people like Epstein come on the scene. They were tasked with running the entire network. Now, do I think that Epstein ran the network? No, I don't. I think that Epstein was a front. I think he was a face. I think he was a dupe, if you will. The Marxists like dupes. They like to get other people to do their work for them. I think that's all he was. He was a dupe. He was going to talk. So he had to go. And they got rid of him. But he wasn't the brainchild of that operation. No, 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 no. Maxwell was the one that ran the operation. She was the brains. She is the one that arranged all of that. It was her. Now, if she is, and I've I've heard this, if she is Mossad, she's not talking. She is not talking. She'll take it to the end. She's not talking. That's the end of it. But when they compromise people in that manner, well, then they really got you, right? And when I say they've really got you jammed up at that point, what happens to anybody that's any that's familiar, and you don't have to be too in-depth with this, anybody that's familiar with the criminal justice system as it is, as it is now, as corrupt and as horrible as, as it's become, when you watch these documentaries, and I know everybody's seen these things, when you watch these documentaries, even on like MSNBC or any of this stuff, where they have these prison documentaries, these prison shows, you've seen that. What happens to child molesters and pedophiles that go into the prison system? They don't make it. They don't make it because even the most hardened criminal, and I can I can vouch for this. I've dealt with the type that are in these predicaments. The most harsh criminal that's out there, the gangbanger out there on the street, they've still got kids. They've got a family. And as hard as they are on the streets banging, they still protect their children. They still love their children. They still respect their children. They try to minimize that lifestyle for their children because they are in the game, but they want their children to have something better. Now, as a hardened criminal gang banging out there on the streets, you are probably going to do some time on the inside. It's just a cost of doing business. And when they come across somebody in there and word gets around on the inside, People talk. When word gets around that you are messing around with kids, you don't make it. You don't make it very long at all. I would also throw in the guards might slip that mm -hmm. why the individual's in uh -huh. there yeah. as well. Yeah. Prince Andrew. Let's talk about him. Now, he's been dodging this this uh, Virginia Guthrie thing for quite some time. That was part of the... Uh, that was part of the, uh, the the Epstein network. That was pretty much largely ignored for quite some time. And the lawsuit was tossed aside and it was, oh, well, he was cleared of all charges. They weren't going to release him. Hell, he got excommunicated from, the, from Westminster. They booted him out. Elizabeth said, pack your stuff, get out. That's her son. Pack your stuff, get out of here. Prince Andrew's civil case against this uh, Epstein network witness 
has been ruled that it's going to move forward despite the ruling to dismiss it. He's tried to have it thrown out. A U.S. judge ruled and dismissed a motion by Andrew's legal team to have the lawsuit thrown out. He will now face charges for this. And extradition is now back on the table. Now, we talked to Marty about this a while back, and he says, you know what? He says you can't extradite him. And the reason you can't extradite him is because of the politics of the matter. Why not? Now, I, I'm, I'm a man of conviction. I believe in the legal letter of the law. I worked on the good side of it back before it's turned into this mess. I don't care about borders. I don't care about legal boundaries. If someone is guilty, especially of this, they're guilty. Period. End of story. There's no debating that. There's no, there's no uh, red lines and red tape and politics of the matter when it comes to bringing somebody to justice, especially in manners like this. I'm not saying that he's innocent. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that he's... Um, um, no, comrade. He's innocent. <laughs> I'm not saying he's innocent, but does an innocent man go around selling their assets, settling their assets for millions of dollars? Andrew just settled a $7.5 million ski chalet in the Swiss Alps. He's having to sell off his assets to pay for these legal fees against this case that's coming. There is a case coming. And do you think do you think that he would be able to keep his mouth shut if he gets on the stand and he starts talking? They're talking about a mistrial now for Maxwell because the third juror came out this morning, a mistrial. So that means it's going to go back to court. All the records were sealed. The black book was sealed. Hell, we've got copies. It's out there. It's freely available. Copies of the black book. We've got copies of the black book. We've seen it. I mean, it's a redacted copy. It's public. So it's not like we're seeing anything that... Uh, that, that's not out there that's publicly available. However, the court sealed it. Why? Why did the court seal that? Every single name in that book should be called to testify. Every last damn one of them. This trial shouldn't take two and a half weeks. This trial should take two and a half years at minimum. Every single person should be called to that stand. The Lolita Express, the airline pilot who said, look, um, I, I, just, I just got on the plane and I, I, I don't know what happened after I got in the, in the, in the cockpit and I started flying. Son, you're a pilot. I don't care if you're flying a single-engine Cessna or a 777 or 787 or what the hell ever number you want to call it, whatever you want to put on an Airbus, A330, whatever. You are responsible for every passenger on that plane. You had to have seen something. Uh, we also have autopilot, so just saying he may have stuck it on autopilot and been back there with him. Uh, that's an astute observation, right? That's an astute observation because I can't tell you how many times I've been jumping across the pond and you know how you kind of fall asleep if you're on one of those long flights. You fall asleep and I, I had a seat right there. Most of the time it was the front row seat. So it'd be like in front of the galley there. I, I would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night coming across, you know, jumping across and you know, coming back over to Europe. And I would hear laughing and carrying on going on inside the galley. And it was the pilot and the co-pilot having coffee. Yep. With the, uh, with the flight attendants, I'm like, who's flying the damn plane? Yeah. It's very unnerving. Very unnerving. Yeah. But that's coming. That's coming. Th that's coming. That is coming out. These lies will be exposed. Once you openly start lying about something, no matter if it's if it's COVID, if you're an Anthony Fauci and it's COVID, or, or if you're a Bill Gates or whatever his agenda is for the day, or uh, an Epstein thing, whatever. Once you start openly lying about something, the clock is ticking because you eventually get yourself buried under so many lies, you just can't conceal it anymore. So what are they trying to do now? They're trying to run damage control. They're trying to get ahead of the narrative. If they can get ahead of the narrative, then they can control it. But I think this is going to be the nail in the coffin. I don't think that they're going to be able to normalize this one. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Even the most, as I said, even the most hardened street criminal, though we may be at odds as far as law and order, we have an understanding when it comes to this type of behavior. I'll put it that way. Um, look at the response uh, from the Western world when they started going after the kids with the vaccines. Here in the U.S., both sides of the aisle are like, no, nah, we're not having this. And in fact, that poll I was telling you about earlier. Or the school boards. Um, or the school boards. Yeah. Or the school boards. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it changed the entire election system, not a uh, system, but the, the entire election. Uh, what was it in Virginia? Uh, with yep. um, Because of what happened in the schools, the, the yep. sexual assault and all of that. Yep. So when you start targeting kids, um, even the left, see that that poll was saying that uh, 75, roughly 75% of Americans um, will not abide tyranny when it involves the kids. 
if it involves them with the masks, the jabs, those kind of things, they, they will take it in the rear. But when you start getting the kids involved, no, that, 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 that's the line. So I, I think, I think this is going to hold true when you start going for uh, pedophilia or um, what, what was the other word I was telling you about? The, there's another one, uh, uh, peta something or another. Uh, you said, you um, told me yesterday, I can't remember what it was. I'd never heard it before. Yeah. It's, it's another term I heard from, it's like psychologist stuff. Um, but the, the one, one of the, one of the things they're going to try to push now, which they've already started doing, by the way, we, we talked about the California, uh, law they passed where, um, they don't have to tell their partner that they have, um, HIV. Also, uh, if, if the, one of the partners is, uh, underage. I think the the limit was like like fourteen and twenty or something like that, or I I forget they they did some kind of an age range limit or, or whatever, and it it basically a, a allowed someone that's uh, past puberty uh, but under age to enact in anyway that that that's that's what it is is it's it's um they're past puberty but still under age and it's uh peta pedera- I'm wanting to say it's pederasty or something like that or or something to that effect, but anyway. it's something similar to that that's going to be the next thing and then which if you look at the epstein stuff you look at all of that that's what it was it was they were past uh the puberty but they weren't legal that's also the entire thing that holds this network together that is their foundation the currency of the elites is human capital make no mistake about that it is human trafficking that's their capital that's their bread um, and butter. That is actually uh, from some of the people that are in the know when it comes to that and are fighting human trafficking. You see human trafficking spike when there's some kind of event with a lot of elite uh, in the yep. area. Yeah. Um, as an example, Super Bowls or, or or large football games, you will see a large spike in uh, human trafficking in those, mm-hmm. those situations. Mm-hmm. That's the ugly elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. What do you think Hollywood was all about? What do you think taking down Harvey Weinstein was all about? The same thing. I, I think, I, I honestly, I think Maxwell and uh, the Prince are both going to be, they're just going to be their pound of flesh. They're going to say... Yeah. Well, we tried to get them and there was nothing there and they walk, you know, Uh they're going to get smeared with some mud and then they're going to allow them to walk. Not if they try and normalize it first. Not if they try and normalize it first. If they try and normalize it and bring it out in the public first and then it comes out. I think it's too late at that point. The people are already marching across Europe with placards saying arrest the pedophile elites and they've got Bill Gates in prison strike. They're, They're already doing it. Yeah. So. That that's actually a good point. If they if they push it too quickly, if they push that narrative too quickly, that yeah, he he will be hung, if you will, not literally, but I I still think Maxwell though. I, I still think oh, she's, she's going solid. to yeah, she's not going to walk. She she is yeah. well, she's not going to talk either way. She might even if she goes down, uh, she uh she won't talk. If she's if she's indeed got got that uh, background to her, she won't talk. She can't. Um, no, she can't. Uh, she can't. Hey. Let's say she does talk and let's say that she gets some kind of plea deal or whatever. She'll end up dead as well, yeah. because who who are you going to go to with this? This this goes to the highest ranks in our government. Who are you going to go to to have them prosecuted? Are you going to try to go to the president who is guilty of sniffing hair and feeling up kids God. on camera, you know, on you know stage? What? Do you remember the C-SPAN footage? Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. A podcaster reposted it on on his own Twitter feed, and Twitter flagged it and took it down and said that it was yep. child pornography. Yep, their account was locked until they deleted it because Twitter considered that to be child pornography. All right, that, that's enough of that. I, I don't want I don't want to talk about it, that anymore. Right, their their day's coming. They got an ass kicking coming, and it's coming. All right, Kazakhstan. The more I thought about it, the more I thought about what's going on over there. It makes a little bit more sense even now. Even now, we talked about the the anti government protests that took place. And then we were looking at that as we were watching the tactics that were taking place. The first thing that came to my mind was this just this reeks of George Soros and the color revolution because of the tactics that you see them doing. It's the same thing that you would see in like the city of Portland in America and all across America mm-hmm. last uh, last summer during the uh, the summer of love. Right. If you remember that things that happened at the Chaz and the chop or whatever in the hell, you know, you want to call it. That's exactly what we saw. That kind of behavior. Civil Society 2.0. That is a brainchild of George Soros. That's how they knock over countries. They tried to do that in Kazakhstan. Why? Why? Well, very simple. Kazakhstan 
as we saw when that that happened, uh, the uh, the price of uranium on the world market shot up by 12% in a day. And I thought, why is uranium shooting up through the roof? Come to find out, as Bruce was doing research on the fly, as efficient as he is, because he's all about statistics, he said that is the number one nation in the world for uranium mining. Okay. I thought that is quite interesting. Okay. Uranium. Now, the European Union said that they were going to consider nuclear energy green going forward. Well, that fits with the green revolution and we're going to go green and all that stuff, you know, going forward, blah, 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 right? All that build back better garbage and everything else, right? Then I remember Glasgow. We talked about Glasgow a while back, Glasgow, Scotland, which is where the climate summit was. And you think, well, wait a minute, you're discussing all these other things. What does this have to do with anything? It goes to a bigger point. During the Glasgow summit, Ursula von der Leyen, who is the head of the EU for the moment, stood up on stage and she said that she was launching an initiative in, in partnership with Bill Gates to develop new renewable resource energy across Europe. Huh. OK, well, if that's the case... That announcement there, the European Union just recently over the last few weeks has said that nuclear energy is going to be green going forward. What does this have to do with Bill Gates? Well, George Soros, we already know the involvement there, right? And that's that's pure speculation, but I'm just looking at the way that the behavior is. That's what George Soros, when George Soros wants to go kinetic in a country, that's what he does. Exactly what happened in Kazakhstan. But he needed a trigger. He needed a trigger. We'll talk about the trigger in a second. This came out just a few days ago. Japan is going to assist Bill Gates in building an experimental nuclear reactor. Two Japanese industrial majors are reportedly planning to team up with Bill with a Bill Gates venture company to provide technical support for a high-tech nuclear reactor that will be built in the U.S. state of Wyoming. He's also talking about doing this in a couple other states. I remember this uh, was being talked about a while back, some initiative he's putting together. The parties are expected to sign an agreement in January this month for the Japan Atomic Energy Agency and Mitsubishi Heavy Industries to provide industrial assistance and data from Japan's own advanced reactors. Japanese Daily Yomiuri reported on Saturday, citing multiple sources close to the matter. Bruce, if you're going to create all kinds of experimental new types of nuclear reactors. You're going to build a test site in, in America in, in a specific place, and then you're going to build them with a new agreement all across Europe. And you now have the green light because of the new EU initiative that's made nuclear energy green all of a sudden. What do you need to generate a nuclear reaction? Uh, you need fissile material or uh, uranium. Uranium. And it just so happens that the Number one country in the world for uranium mining is under duress at the moment. Again, I'm just I'm just looking at at road signs here. That's all I'm doing. George Soros, when he goes into a country and he he performs this type of an act in a country, when when a color revolution starts in a country, you need a trigger. It doesn't just happen spontaneously. Yes, you get organizations and, and things wound up in there, but that's usually because he'll go in and he'll set up a foundation. And then on top of that, he'll he'll take over like parts of the media operations and, you know, a, a local news station, a radio station, uh, a newspaper, whatever, you know, he'll, he'll set up some type of broadcasting in there to broadcast the messages that he wants to be uh, to be portrayed to the public. And then he sets up resistance cells within his foundations. And then he has that network established in there as well. Then when the timing is right, they'll trigger that revolution in that country and that government will fall. This time around, they needed a trigger. Bruce, what was that trigger? Well, the government decided that um, we're going to hike gas prices by two times. So they doubled the price of gas. And Overnight. And went out and protested it. Overnight. Yeah. And it just so happens that, uh, mind you, that Kazakhstan, I, I'm not familiar with the uh, the inner workings of their, their governmental system, but I do know that the they do have a form of representative democracy over there. Whether it's run by oligarchs or whatever, it doesn't really matter. But what I know is, is that the president of the country can't make that decision by himself. You have to run it through some type of a legislative body. Now, if you've got people in there, say, oh, I don't know, example, uh, the former head of the country, uh, the head of the intelligence agencies, for example, uh, that type. I mean, you would think that those people would have some kind of pull. And then, of course, you had several oligarchs that you were uh, good friends with, Joe and Hunter Biden, then you would think that they were pushing an initiative through the right governmental people to have those gas prices raised that high overnight to trigger those protests, right? Uh, one, one could assume, yeah. One could assume. 
You said, and you you did some research on this. You did find out that the Russians now they've sent in peacekeepers. And by the way, I'm I mean we all know how they deal with that. I mean we we kind of figured they were just going to go in there and be a giant push broom and and get rid of all that. One hundred and one hundred and thirty five, I believe, is the num- the last number I heard. Uh huh. We're and I yeah, and I I read this morning that many government officials uh, tripped and fell out of windows. So I, I'm assuming that they're um that they're uh keeping the peace. I'm, I'm assuming that's what they're doing in there. I don't really know. I'm just uh, I'm just speculating. I'm only going off of what the headlines are that are coming out of there. It stands to reason that they can't just go in there by themselves. Now, I'm just I'm just putting forth one opinion. I'm just looking at, uh, at at what makes the most sense to me. That's all I'm doing here. And this seems to make the most sense to me. But Russia can't just go in there, can they? No, uh, legally they need, um, because of the treaties and everything they have with Kazakhstan, basically it requires uh, an outside, what, what's the word, outside uh, agitator, I guess you could say. Um, you, you need someone from the outside uh, stirring up trouble uh, there in that country. And based on the criteria that we just discussed, that fits the prerequisites for an outside agitation, right? Yes. Um, Civil Society 2.0 or... Um, uh, Soros, any, you, what you name it, uh, that would be considered an outside um, agitator force. Uh, yeah. Even even if it's just even even if you're the one that created the 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 riot yourself, um, you you know, uh, as a one of the Kazakhstan officials, um, let's say you did it on your own volition and you started the riot, but then you you could blame another country. That would still be adequate to justify having the Russians come in and take care of it. That was going to be my next question is you had a different take, a little bit different take on what was actually going on over there. Now, this is the question. I gave you one man's opinion. I gave you my opinion of how I see things, right? That to me makes sense when I look at it like that. Now, Bruce, you put forth that, uh, that, uh, that point as well. And to me, that makes sense too. That makes sense too. The Russians, the Chinese, whatever, they went in, they staged it as a pretext to go in and grab control of the uranium supply to then hold the Europeans in the West hostage. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't need those oil pipelines coming out of Russia anymore, do you? Germany. Do you, Ukraine? No, you don't. No, you don't need that. If you have nuclear and you've got control of Kazakhstan, which is key, by the way, that is a key country to hold on the Eurasian landmass as laid out by Zbigniew Brzezinski, in the grand chessboard, that country is key. You need Kazakhstan. And I have the book right here. You can see it. Also, I'd, I'd like to point out, I don't think I pointed this out on podcast. Um, the crypto miners that were in China all moved to Kazakhstan as well. Oh, yes, because um, because China made crypto mining illegal and they all went to uh, Kazakhstan for that. Yeah. So there's a lot that's going on over there. But again, it's up to you to make up your own mind of what's happening over there. We just gave you two gentlemen's opinion, having a casual conversation. That's all we did. Okay, we are going to go ahead and call this one done. So I want to thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. As always, if you have any comments, uh, feedback, good, bad, ugly, all the rest of it, we would love to hear from you. Drop us a line anytime you'd like at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Have a good evening, everybody.